Welcome to the Staying Connected podcast, the preaching ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in Montrose, Colorado. I am Pastor Roland Kennison, and I want to thank you for listening. Rosemont Baptist Mission is passionately bringing people face-to-face with the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. It's our prayer that through this podcast, you will hear our passion for the gospel and people's need to hear it, and that you will truly experience the transformation that only Jesus Christ can bring. I pray you find the following sermon encouraging and challenging and will build you up in the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. And one more thing before we begin. If any of the sermons in our podcast have been helpful to you, would you please let us know? It would be a great help and blessing to us to know that this ministry is being used by God in your life and ministry. Would you tell us where you're located and specifically how this ministry has helped you? We greatly anticipate hearing from you. You can simply send me an email at pastor at rosemontbaptist.org. Now, Let's begin our time today. I've been talking over the last few weeks about just the state of um, our, our denomination and our church and what all that means. And so today we're going to talk about a concept in Scripture called the fear of the Lord. So let's read Leviticus 9.22 just to give us a starting place. It says, Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he stepped down after making the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. And when they came out and blessed the people, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Then fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offerings and the portions of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Let me pray. Let me pray this morning. God, we come to you and, and ask that you would continue to develop in us the fear of the Lord. God, that we would take God seriously. And we would take what God calls sin seriously. And that we would live our lives in accordance to that. By the power of the Holy Spirit that's given through Jesus' sacrifice. God, teach us this this morning and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So how many of you, how many of you have fears or, or phobias? You know, um, you don't have to raise your hand. Um, I tell people, I'm uncomfortable with heights, which is my manly way of saying I'm afraid of heights, okay? Um, I don't like saying I'm afraid, so I say I'm uncomfortable with heights. And it's really not so much the heights, it's not really the fall, you know what they say, it's that sudden stop at the bottom that really kind (laughs) of scares me. That is what um, I'm kind of afraid of. The truth is, I get anxious around heights. I can be up in a plane, or I can be on a roof, but I don't like that edge, um, I'm un- I get anxious. And a- Americans are anxious people. There's just a lot of fear that's going on. The, the, a recent study showed that 19% of adults had at least one anxiety disorder in the last year. And when it, 
when it comes to teenagers, 13-year-olds to 18-year-olds, that number goes to 32. At least 32% had at least one anxiety disorder in the last year. And as a result of this, right, there's a lot of prescription meds that are given to people to help calm that down. There's, there's nothing wrong with that under the doctor's orders. There's a lot of over-the-counter med. There's some kind of under-the-counter meds that go on. There is, there is uh, self-medication. People use alcohol or marijuana to kind of calm themselves down. There's a lot of, of, lot of that going on. We can be anxious and fearful people. We fear what's going on maybe politically. We fear, you know, what, what is, um, we fear COVID or we fear how COVID was used or we fear people with masks on or people without masks on or we, we fear um, mice or spiders or snakes or, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of fear. We fear being around people. We fear being alone. We have a lot of fear in this world. But we've got one of the biggest problems is that we are fearful about a lot of things in this world, but we're not fearful about the right thing. We need to regain, my premise is today, a fear of the Lord. We need to regain a fear of the Lord. We need to fear the Lord individually. We need to fear the Lord congregationally. We need to fear the Lord denominationally. And so let's begin our thinking about that with the question today, what is the fear of the Lord? Okay, what is the fear of the Lord? Not to be too basic about it, but strangely enough, the fear of the Lord means fearing the Lord. Okay, it's, uh, there, are, there are aspects of respect, there is aspects of reverence, but when the Old Testament speaks of fear of the Lord, when the New Testament talks about fearing, it uses words that can be defined or, or translated as scared or terrified or dreadful. It is fear. This fear comes over humanity when the holiness of God begins to be, be known. When the holiness of God approaches humanity, humanity understands all of a sudden how sinful we really are. And when the sinfulness of man comes up close to the sinfulness of God, fear comes over our hearts. Because we realize we don't deserve to be in that presence. In Exodus, God gave his instructions how, uh, to his people on how to build the tabernacle so God could, could dwell with his people once again. He did in the garden. Sin kept him from, from dwelling with his people. So he said, I want you to build a tabernacle so that I could dwell again with my people. And so in Leviticus, we hear that they start building that. And, and then Aaron, in, in Leviticus chapter 8, Aaron and his sons are consecrated as priests to be these intermediaries between the people and God because God was holy and the people were not. 
that there needed to be somebody in between. In between. So he, he sets apart Aaron and his sons to be these intermediaries between God and man, the priesthood. It's an amazing event. They're consecrated. And then after they're consecrated, they offer their first offerings that God had, had detailed at the beginning of Leviticus. And this is the start of the people of God in the wilderness living according to the law that God has given them. And when that happens, they, they make these offerings. That's the passage we read today. I'm going to read it again so we understand what we were reading. They've just finished the tabernacle. They just finished the sacrifices for the very first time. And then Aaron, it says in Leviticus 9.22, Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he stepped down after making the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meetings. They went into the tabernacle. And when they came out and blessed the people, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. God once again showed up. His glory showed up in the temple. Pillar of smoke by day, a pillar of fire by night. The people could see the glory of God. And it came out and consumed the burnt offerings and the portions of the fat of the altar. And when the people saw it, they shouted, and fell on their faces. Don't miss that. Okay, so the glory of God appeared to the people. And when the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their face. They fell on their faces in fear of the Lord. They encountered just a little bit of who God was. They saw his glory and they screamed and fell down. Okay, it was a powerful event. And we could read passage after passage when someone encounters the glory of God in the Old Testament, they fall on their face. In fact, I had so many of these listed out and I thought, I don't, I'm not going to have the time to go through all of these. But it's not simply an Old Testament phenomenon. It happened as well in the New Testament that when someone gets a glimpse of the glory of God, they fall down in fear. Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on a mountain. Three of the kind of the lead apostles. He brought them up onto a mountain. And it says that in the scripture, he was transfigured. He, he changed a little bit. He was God fully God in the flesh. And so he, let, he pulled back the veil of his flesh just a little bit. And a little bit of the glory of God started to shine out from him. He was transfigured. Moses and Elijah showed up, who had been dead for centuries. They show up talking with Jesus. And Peter, being Peter, starts talking. Right? Man, it is good to be here. We should make tents, he says. Let's, let's make some tents so we can stay up here, camp up here, stay up here all the time. This is really good. I like being here. Jesus, this is great. We should, and it says in Matthew 17, 5, while he was still speaking, right? Peter's just, he's just going. While he was still speaking, it says, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, look what it says. 
they fell down to the ground and were terrified. So that these apostles who walked with Jesus, the glory of the God, glory of God veiled in flesh. They saw a little bit of his glory, and then they heard the voice of the Father. And when they heard that, they were overwhelmed with the fear of the Lord. They fell on their face, and they were terrified. They heard how they heard something in God's voice made them understand how absolutely holy God is and how he cannot stand sin. And when they heard that, there was an overwhelming understanding of how sinful they are. And they fell down terrified. John was on that mountain. It was Peter, James, and John with Jesus. John would later see the same Jesus glorified at the end of his life. If, you, if we read Revelation 1.12, Revelation 1.12, John says, I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe reaching to the feet and girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it had been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in his strength. You get the idea? Jesus is just glowing. He's just, you can't look at him. His face, his hair, his feet, he was just glowing with the, with the glory of the Lord. This is how John, his only words that John could figure out how to explain what he was seeing. And in 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Are you seeing the pattern? Old Testament, New Testament, people come in contact with the glory of God and they hit the ground in terror. They are afraid. They have the fear of the Lord. When they understand how sinful they are and the holiness of God comes close, the response isn't, hey, God's my drinking buddy. Let's high five. Let's go dancing. Let's go um, have a great time. He's, God's my co-pilot. It's not that. When the holiness of God is encountered by humanity, we understand we can't be in his presence and fear grips us. And we fall on our face in worship. What happens is that people begin to make God in their own image, right? Instead of, you know, we were made in God's image, what happens is people make God in their own image. They begin to say, God isn't like the scripture. I don't like the God I find in scripture, so I'm going to make him this way. And when they start making God in their own image, the fear of the Lord is lost. It's lessened. He becomes less 
than what he is. We see this in movies, okay? I mean, if you've watched um, some movies in the last, let's say, 30, 40, 50 years, you start seeing how Hollywood really wants to see God. They, they don't like the God of Scripture, so they say, let's, let, let's make God the way we want him to. So in 1977, George Burns plays a cigar-smoking, wise-cracking God, right? Alanis Morissette played a female God in in the 1999 movie Dogma, blasphemous film. Morgan Freeman in 2003 and 2017 plays a, just an everyday man, easygoing God, and Bruce Almighty, Evan Almighty. Whoopi Goldberg played God in a 2011 movie called A Little Bit of Heaven. How's that sit with you? Um, I'm just saying, so what Hollywood does, right, is they say, we like God like this. And it's easy for us to say, well, I don't like that. But guys, we are guilty of the, really the same thing. When we start saying, I don't really like the God of Scripture, I don't like a God who thinks like that or, or speaks like that or behaves like that, so I'm going to shape God the way I like him, we're doing the exact same thing. And then we begin to lose the fear of the Lord. Instead of letting his word tell us, who he is, what his character is like. I feel like some of the issues we're having in our denomination is, is because those maybe in leadership, I don't want to speak to their hearts, but it seems like they're, they're losing the fear of the Lord. When the leaders of a convention can say that God whispers about homosexuality, when the scriptures say something very different, they've created a God different than scripture. And that means then that there would be less fear of the Lord. Now, one of those leaders recanted that in the last month. In September, he came and he said, I wish I wouldn't said it that way. On a podcast, he said, I wish I would have said, said it differently. And I don't want to speak to this man's heart by any means. I'm saying the fear of the Lord would not let us speak about God in ways that's contrary to Scripture, but fear of the Lord very well may, might have made him recant and say, I need to say this better. Something didn't happen right. I didn't say it right. And gosh, I can tell you as, a, as a, someone who gets up and speaks regularly, sometimes the brain disconnects from the mouth and it, it doesn't come out right. And so, I mean, I don't want to give this guy too hard of a time, but I'm simply saying the lack of the fear of the Lord would allow a denomination or a church or an individual to slowly and surely drift toward thinking and talking and living like the culture does. In our own lives, individually, the fear of the Lord we, it is making sure we're not creating God in our own image. Making God like me. Because God is not like us. He is above and beyond us. So much different. The fear of the Lord is fearing the Lord. It's based on the recognition of his holiness and our sinfulness. Now, there's much more we could say about the fear of the Lord, but I want to move to the next question, which is, what, what, why should we fear the Lord? 
And you may be asking that. You might be saying, look, why should we fear God? I thought our God is good and patient and long-suffering and full of loving kindness, and he is. You know, I thought our God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Yes, that is our God. That our God is full of love and patience. But I, I, I think of it this way. And any time we try to make a comparison with God, it falls short. But I, when I was a child, I didn't fear my father. My, my dad's a good man. He, he raised us up in a Christian home. He loves my mom. He loves the kids. Mom and him have been married for over 60 years. I'm not a great son. I don't remember how long, but it's been a long time. But he, he always worked to provide for us. He's a good man. But let me tell you something. If I did something wrong, I feared my dad, right? He's the same guy. He's still a good man. He still loved me. But if I got in trouble at school, I didn't want to go home. You know what I'm saying? If I mouthed off to mom or him, there was going to be trouble. So as a result... As a result, I did my best to stay out of trouble. Now, I did not stay out of trouble, but I did my best. In fact, there's still something I did as a kid that I've never told my mom and dad about. And as long as my dad's alive, I'm not going to say anything about it. Because to tell the truth, I'm a little scared of him still. I don't know if he'd whip out the belt and chase me around or not. But so, I mean, and don't come to me asking because I'm not going to tell. It can get back. This world's small. It'll get back. See, we fear the Lord. Why should we fear the Lord? Because it keeps us from sinning. Okay? That's the point. Proverbs 16, 6 says this. By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is, iniquity is atoned for. And praise God that loving kindness and truth pays for our iniquity. But it says, by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. That's the principle. I love my dad. My dad loves me. But there was a fear of the punishment of my consequences. If I did something wrong, there was going to be consequences. And I feared that. And so it kept me on the straight and narrow. I saw my older two brothers get in trouble a lot. And I said, that's not going to be me. And so we... That fear of, the, fear of my dad kept me from doing wrong things. And that's the issue here when it talks about the fear of the Lord. It keeps us from sinning. When the, the power and the presence of God descended on Mount Sinai, after the people of God left Egypt, after 400 years of slavery, they came out of there. They went to Mount Sinai. The power and presence of God came down and rested there. God was going to give his people the law, how to live according to the way he wanted them to. And the people were afraid because they caught a glimpse of the glory of God again. And here's what we read in Exodus 20, 18 and 19. And there's a reason why we're going here again. All the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. And then they said to Moses, speak to us yourself, 
And we will listen, but let not God speak to us or we'll die. They said, man, we need someone in between us and God. If God speaks to us, we'll just melt away. We'll just die if we hear the voice of the Lord. We want this intermediary. These are all pointing to Jesus, by the way, all those intermediaries. And then he says this, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. For God has come in order to test you, look what it says, and in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. God wanted this people to see his glory so that the fear of God would be within them so they would say, I, I, I need to not live this way. I need to live accordance to what pleases the Lord. So that you may not sin. The idea here is that the more the fear of God that we have, the less we desire to sin. It's true even for believers in Jesus. You might say, that's Old Testament. They didn't have Jesus to come and and enter their life. Those who follow Christ, who have trusted Christ as their Savior and Lord, who, who, who have confessed their sin and said, I trust what Christ did on the cross. It's the same thing. Paul was correcting the Corinthians, the church at Corinth, the believers that are there. He told them they cannot be doing ministry with those who do not believe in God. He says, if they're worshiping idols, we cannot partner with those who worship the one true God. Those, those just don't mix. And so he tells them in 2 Corinthians 6, 16 and 18, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we, this is talking to you, believer, Those who have trusted in Christ, you are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst. That is, come out from the world. Come out from their midst and be separate, the Lord said. And do not touch what is unclean and I'll welcome you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And then look at 2 Corinthians 7.1. It says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of the flesh and spirit, perfecting the holiness, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. When we accept Christ, in Christ, God dwells within us. Because of the sanctifying work of Christ on the cross, we are welcomed into God's families, uh, family as sons and daughters. He will dwell with us. He will be with us. There's these amazing promises. And because we have these promises, we should live lives, those who have trusted in Christ, we should live lives that are distinct from the world. And Paul says it this way, perfecting holiness In the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord helps us live a life that's that's more in line with him. We have the fear of the Lord because it keeps us from sinning. And that means the fear of the Lord also starts us on the path of wisdom. If you've read the Bible even a little bit or if you, you might have encountered the concept of the fear of the Lord in verses like Proverbs 1-7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge. Psalm 111, 
10, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. These are saying that when we have the fear of the Lord in our lives, we begin to live a life of wisdom and knowledge. And when the Bible speaks of wisdom and knowledge, it's saying a life that's in line with reality. Here's the truth. The reality is there is one holy God. Whether people believe it or not doesn't change the reality that there is a God who sent his son Jesus to die for us. And life makes more sense when we live in that reality. The reason the world is so confusing, there's so much chaos and disruption in the world is because they're living, guys, they're living in a fantasy world because they live as if there is no God. They say, I don't believe in God. Doesn't matter, there is a God. And so you're living in a fantasy world. They don't live in reality. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It says, once we understand that our God is holy, we are sinful, we need to surrender to him, life begins to make sense. We live in ways that please him. We live in ways that make sense with reality. Our life becomes it makes more sense. It's less complicated. I'm not saying it's not hard. It's hard to live a Christian life. But it's more straightforward. We could sum it up by saying this. The fear of the Lord makes us not so much concerned to what men may say or do to us. But we begin to live life with the audience of one that we want to please the one person that we're supposed to live to glorify, and that's the Lord. Over the last couple of weeks, I, I have preached on, on behalf of the elders, I preached on um, this topic, opening up this topic of concern, and I've given just some examples from our denomination and the impact it has on us as a local body of believers trying to also apply it to us individually. They've not been real great examples. There's probably more we could have talked about. And I think it's just opening the door to the conversation. And the conversation is this. Do we have the fear of the Lord? That's the conversation. There's some good news that we've seen happen over the last month or so. A couple weeks ago, the Southern Baptist Executive Committee voted to remove College Park Baptist Church of Greensboro, North Carolina, because it has an open affirmation, approval, endorsement of homosexual activity. It's the right action that should have been taken. The problem is, I think, that the church, the church had voted to leave Southern Baptist life 23 years ago. They've been behaving like this for a while, but at least the new executive committee said, this person, these, these people can't be affiliated with us anymore. That's good. That's a good action that should have happened. But here's, here's what we should take from this. God's people fear God more than man. Okay? That when we step out in our community, we're less concerned about what people think about us and more concerned about what our Father says to us. 
It means we individually and as a body of believers make choices that honor him more than honoring what humanity thinks. And as we do, we'll be further and further out of the mainstream. That's the way our culture goes. Jesus says, they killed me. What do you think they're going to do with you? Those who follow after me. We're going to be further and further out of the mainstream. They'll tell us, you're on the wrong side of history. And you know what? They may be right. We might be on the wrong side of history, but if we're holding on to the Word of God, we'll be on the right side of eternity, which, which matters. History will end. Eternity goes on forever. We're not trying to pick fights, but we're simply saying, we fear the Lord. And he said, this is the way it is. This is reality. And we say as his followers, I have to go with that. I know the entire world is saying something else. But I'm not here to please them. I'm here to please the Lord. So we've looked at the definition of the fear of the Lord. Ask, why should we have the fear of the Lord? But the real question I want us to consider today is this. What happens when we lose the fear of the Lord? I started talking today about all the things we might be afraid of and made the statement that we might be afraid of the wrong things. It's not that the world is losing the fear of the Lord. They may have never had it, you know. There might have been a time where culture kind of had this idea of, of God and, and, and they were kind of fearful, but, but it's not so much the culture that really I'm talking about. I'm concerned that the bride of Christ is losing its fear of the Lord, that the church as a whole, I'm not sure how you can explain the desire of churches to look more and more like the world instead of looking more and more like Jesus. So when, we, when our view of holiness of God isn't as sharp, when, our view of, when we've taken the sting of sinfulness out of our lives, we begin to, to lose the fear of the Lord. And what happens when that happens? What, what happens when we lose the fear of the Lord? Well, the first thing I want to talk about is that the holiness of God is ignored. The first thing is that the holiness of God is ignored. We, we talked earlier, and uh, I started by reading Matthew, or sorry, Leviticus 9, where they just made the temple, they just had the sacrifices, the glory of the Lord came down, and, and it was a fearful thing. He consumed the sacrifices, and the people fell down and shouted. In the fear of the Lord, in the very next verse, after that passage, Leviticus 10.1, it says, Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective fire pans, and after putting fire in them, placed incense on it, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, It is what the Lord spoke, saying, Listen with this, what God said, By those who come near me, I'll be treated as holy. And before all the people, I will be honored. So Aaron therefore kept quiet. 
We had this whole, whole situation where there was the holiness of God coming down. It consumed this sacrifice, and the people of God were fearful. And the very next verse, Nadab and Abihu offer strange fire and were killed. See, they thought, I don't really have to listen to everything God had said. I don't have to live my life like God told me to live. Yes, his word said I should create this fire this way, but I'm going to do it this way because it's easier. I like this fire. I don't know whatever was going on, but the point is the holiness of God was ignored. They didn't care. And they took this into the presence of God, and God said, that's not the way I function. And he killed them dead. They did not have the fear of the Lord that the people had one verse before this. The holiness of God, when we start to lose the fear of the Lord, the holiness of God is ignored, which leads to the second consequence that happened to Nadab and Abihu. There is judgment and wrath. Man, I know we don't like talking about this. Our God is a loving God. The scripture says God is love. He is patient and long-suffering. But the same Bible that says our God is holy and just, I mean, the same God that says he's, he's loving says he is holy and just and must punish sin. It's the same God. What I want to do is read you Romans 1 and 2, the entire chapter. I can't do that. Don't have the time. But you should do that. When you get home, read Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2. And listen for those who do not have the fear of the Lord. It says that they knew God, but they did not glorify him as God. they like, I know there's a God, but I don't care. I'm going to live my life the way I want to. And there is this spiral that goes downward morally and spiritually. And I can give you a couple of verses of how those folks end up. Romans 2, 2. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. Romans 2, 5. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. If someone lives their life ignoring the holiness of God, then they don't understand who God is and therefore cannot really be saved. If they're living and saying, I don't care what the holiness of God says, I'm just going to ignore it, then they should not anticipate anything other than the wrath of God falling upon them in judgment. But here is the good news the wrath of God has already fallen upon our sin on Christ when he was on the cross. So we don't have to bear it. If we would trust what he did on the cross instead of our good works, then the wrath of God has been satisfied in Christ Jesus. But for somebody who says, I'm going to ignore the holiness of God and I'm going to live my life my way, they should not anticipate anything other than judgment and wrath. And that leads to the last thing, terror. It leads to terror. We can have the fear of the Lord while we walk here on this earth. Or we can walk without the fear of the Lord on the earth. And when we stand before God at the end, we will be in terror. Those who live in the rejection as God, as the Lord of their life, 
Those who refuse to live in the fear of the Lord, they'll have nothing but terror at the end. When, when the people of God were saved, right, they, they, were, they were in Egypt in slavery for 400 years. God brought these plagues upon them. They came out of Egypt and the Lord split the Red Sea so that they could, they could walk through on dry land and they, they were free for the first time in four centuries. They were free people in the wilderness. And Moses sang a song in Exodus 15 that he said this, the peoples have heard and they tremble. Anguish has gripped the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom were dismayed. The leaders of Moab, trembling, grips them. All their inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. By the greatness of your arm, they are motionless as a stone. Until your people pass over, O Lord. Until the people pass over whom you've purchased. Moses was simply recalling how when the people of God came into the wilderness, they'd start walking around and the people of God were in uh, the people that in the land who did not know God, they lived in terror, not because army was not because Israel was some great army, not because they were full of great terrifying warriors. The, The world was terrified because of the God that Israel served. There are those around us who do not care about God, who do not live with the fear of the Lord. They live their life carelessly. They live as if only today matters. We might say they're lost. We might say they're hard-hearted when it comes to spiritual things. But guys, there are also those who call themselves believers in Jesus who live without the fear of the Lord. Those who call themselves followers of Christ but live without the fear of the Lord, they're in danger. I'm not sure they really understand salvation. Because when you, when you come to the Lord, you confess, I, I understand I am a sinner. And I understand you are completely holy. And I don't deserve this salvation. So I'm going to trust in Christ alone for my salvation. There might be someone who proclaims Jesus as their king, but they live according to their own desires and their own lusts and their own will. They they say they serve the living God, but they think and act and live just like the world. Matthew says, Matthew warns us not to fear those who can kill the body, but not the soul. But he says, instead, fear the one who can kill the body, destroy the body and soul in hell. The author of Hebrews says this, it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Man, we must be careful not to lose the fear of the Lord. We know our God gives us the gift of salvation. In Jesus Christ, it is available freely to all. But that does not mean that we can just live our life however we want. So the simple question today is, do you possess the fear of the Lord? Do you fear what others think 
more than what the Lord desires for you? Do you live your life for you and your intentions and your desires or have you surrendered your life to Jesus? I'm going to have you bow your heads and think through this. Do you possess the fear of the Lord? Heavenly Father, I come to you and ask that you would work in our hearts. God, I know all of us, I'm, I'm sure all of us, have an area of our life where we think we can do whatever it is we want to do and there's no consequence spiritually. God, shine a light in that. Give the Holy Spirit within us the power to conquer that so that we can live more fully for you. God, if there's someone here today who doesn't know you, not really, they might acknowledge there's a God, but they don't live with the fear of the Lord. God, I pray just a little bit of what was being said would shine the light of the gospel into their hearts so this person would say, I don't, I don't want to be afraid. I want to live in the fear of the Lord, but I don't want to be afraid. I want to know that my sin is paid for through Christ, that I can have eternal life, that I'm welcomed into the family. God, I pray that you would, you would give us individually as a church and as a denomination that you would regain in us the fear of the Lord, that we would make choices that would honor you because it's the right thing to do based on the word of God, not, not so that we look good in the culture. God, speak to our heart today, and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Staying Connected podcast, the preaching ministry of Pastor Roland Kennison from Rosemont Baptist Church in Montrose, Colorado. We pray the Lord will use this sermon to help you in your life and ministry. If you found this podcast helpful, would you consider contributing to our ministry? You can give online at www.rosemontbaptist.org forward slash give. If you live in Western Colorado or you're visiting the area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning. Our services start at 1045 a.m. You can also watch our worship service live through our website at rosemontbaptist.org. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.